You're listening to an audio sermon from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. It's so good to be back here with you at Household of Christ. Wow. You all look good this morning. You know, I wake up every day and I say, it's going to be a great day. Every morning, that's the first thing I say, it's going to be a great day. Because I believe your words can either bless you or curse you. The Bible says that. And so if you start out the day saying that, it begins to align itself with what God's word says, right? And uh, man, it's a pleasure for me to be back. I just love your pastors. I appreciate them so much. They have been a huge blessing to me uh, personally. And uh, last time I was here, we launched the Champions Club in 2019. And come on. And uh, they've told me, you know, I get reports from Herman and, and the team and pastor and just how it's impacted so many families. Matter of fact, how many special needs families are here today? You lift up your hand. Yeah, all over this building. Come on. Hey, they may not be here if you didn't make a way. And so, first of all, we're so proud of you special needs families. You're amazing. You're heroes. And uh, God's so proud of you of what you do every single day. But I thank God for a church that loves everybody. And they include everybody. They don't exclude. And, and that's what household of Christ is. And it's your pastor's hearts. And your, your pastors just have beautiful hearts. And I'm so grateful. We love you very much. And thank you for our friendship and uh, love. Well, I send greens from Pastor Joel and Victoria Osteen from... Uh, Houston, Texas. I know they're still sleeping right now, but uh, I just got in last night. And let me tell you, the enemies try to stop me from getting here, right? I get, I, I get on the plane in Houston, and it's storming. There are thunderstorms happening all around us. And we get out on the tarmac, and we stop. And he says, we can't move. As a matter of fact, there's no flights going to the East Coast. So, I'm thinking I'm not going to make it, you know, at least tonight. And we're out there for an hour and a half. And then all of a sudden, he says, hey, we've got to go. We're on our way, right? And so, so I said, okay, I, th I think I'm going to make it on Friday, you know, to the church as planned. So I fly to Newark. You know, it's a flight before coming here. And we get on that plane, and it's... They can't fly out past 1130, apparently, in, in New York. And so I get on that plane at 1030. They're fueling it. They're putting luggage on there. I think I'm going to be able to hang out with Pastor Bernard and have a breakfast or a dinner and stuff. And then all of a sudden, it goes past 1130 and 1145. And they said, I'm sorry, we're canceling the flight. So then I'm getting worried. Okay, am I going to make it here for Sunday, right? But, you know, God sends blessings all the way through that. You know, they gave me a $500 voucher for another flight just for missing that one. And then I not only got here, but our plane got here in time. And I'm here today, and I feel good today. I don't know about you, but I feel good today. And the enemy could try to stop you from getting to your destiny. See, I believe this is destiny for me to be here today. 
I don't believe it's by chance. I don't believe if God didn't want me here, that plane would have got stopped. But God knew I need to be here today because he knew I need to encourage you on whatever he wanted to say to you today. And you know, I love that song you were singing. How many knows you guys have a great worship team? Come on, give them a big hand. And that song you guys just did, I, when you start breaking out Italian, I'm going, hey, wait a second. This is pretty cool, right? But that was beautiful. Just, I mean, you can go to a concert hall and not hear a song as well as that. But uh, it, it, you were singing the song, uh, Amen, you know, the blessing. And amen is so, such an important word. Even when you say it in church, you're backing up your pastor. You know what you're saying. You're saying, so be it. Every time you say, in other words, when you say that, you're not saying, so be it? <laughs> like a question mark behind what's been said. You're saying, so be it, period. And see, when you begin to speak words like his favor comes upon you, to a thousand generations. And then you say amen, you're saying, so be it. Every time you speak what God says about you, that's powerful. Especially when you end it with an amen. So be it. And I really believe that what we speak, how we look at things, how we perceive things is so important. I had to do a lot of so be it's when raising my, my son with autism. I mean, the times we were going through so many ups and downs, and it was like a roller coaster, and I had to speak it even when I didn't feel it. How many of you ever had to speak something when you didn't even feel it? You know, you don't know if it's going to be a great day. It doesn't matter to me. I'm going to say it's going to be a great day, even when I don't feel it, because that's when God can respond. That's when he can act. And, you know, I look back at, you know, even just that, that my son, you know, a lot of you know Connor. He's the inspiration for Champions Club. And uh, Connor had autism, and we found out when he was two years old. And just the, the challenges that came with that. But just speaking what God says about him, it really opened up and helped him navigate the destiny he's at today. For instance, when he was born, they said... He would never, excuse me, when he was two years old and he was diagnosed with autism, they said he would never speak. And until five years old, he didn't. But when he spoke, he spoke a spiritual declaration. He didn't just speak. So be it. Amen? Because every day we were seeing things over him. We were speaking over him. You were the head and not the tail. You are more than a conqueror. You can do all things through Christ. When they said to me that he would never finish school, that he would never accomplish anything. As a matter of fact, I had doctors that weren't sure if he would e even e be able to go to school. Well, guess what? Last year, he graduated from high school. Come on. What? Now, you, you say, why? Well, obviously, it's Jesus, but bottom line, it's what we spoke at over him. Day after day, we said, you will graduate from high school. You will have an education. You will do things. And we would say, man, so be it. Amen? And then they told us, you, you've got to understand, he was on the middle of the spectrum. So he was going to need a lot of help. And he still has challenges today. But they said he would never have a job. Well, last year, 
Connor got his first job at Whataburger, and he's working there. They said he would never have a job. Well, this past year, he celebrated one year. He just got a raise, and he just got a promotion. Come on, somebody. And I believe those early words, those early declarations, those early things that we said over him early on, it catapulted him to his destiny. And I believe this is so powerful because it's easy to get negative, isn't it? It's easy to get down on yourself. It's easy when you live in a fallen world with so many things going on, so much evil that happens in our world, so many challenges. It's so easy to not necessarily say negative things, but just stay kind of in this zone where you're questioning whether it can happen or whether it will happen. You know, that's, a, that's, a, that's an easy place to be. I remember, you know, even looking back on our life and thinking about the things that I thought or people said would never happen. And if I would have received that, if I would have held on to the past, if, if I would have held on to the things that we went through and said, well, this is going to be my life. You know, they say it. They say, this is my lot in life, right? You know, that's referred to the Bible, right? Lot. You know, if he had accepted his lot in life, and everything in that situation, then that's what you get, right? But, but God has a bigger plan. No matter what you've went through in the past, no matter what you're going through right now, I want to speak to you today on this very important subject. The past is the past. You were made for something greater, amen? Amen. I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. Verses 19 through 21. It's so good to be here with you today. You all look good today. I'm so proud of you. You know, you could have stayed at home. You know, it's cold outside. You know, you're, you're like Houstonians. We're not used to the cold, right? I love it because it's hot in Houston right now. So I'm loving this cold. But it's cold. You could have just stayed in bed, turned up that electric blanket, you know, rolled over. But you decided to come to the house of the Lord. Let me tell you something. God's going to bless you for that today. He's going to surprise you with his goodness today because you came. If you're watching online or, or you're listening, we thank you for watching online and, and being here with us today. But 1 Kings chapter 19, 19 through 21. I really believe there's going to be a word today for you. There's going to be specific people in this room that you're going to need this word because it's going to catapult you to your destiny. But in verse 19 it said, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plying with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Now, back in the day, if you had 12 yoke of oxen, you had, you had some pretty good wealth. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. And 1 Kings 19 says, the first thing Elisha did when God called him to become Elijah's successor was something very interesting. He told him to burn the plows. Continuing his old trade would keep him from his destiny. And we know this, what got you here will not get you there, amen? 
What got you here to this point, if you're relying on that and you're holding on to that, it won't get you to the next point because we go from glory to glory. We don't stay in the same place. But our flesh wants us to. Our flesh wants us to stay where it's comfortable, where it feels good, where, oh, I like this. We, we, our flesh tells us this is what you've learned. This, this is what you've experienced. And you take the good things from that and, and you put away the things that are not so good. But, but sometimes getting in that comfort zone, that can be the worst place you're in. Because it can keep you from where God is wanting to take you. Because he's not wanting to keep you here. He's wanting to take you there. He's wanting to move you from glory. Come on, say it with me. To glory. Amen? And you see, Elijah developed quite a reputation himself. We all know Elijah, right? He had declared a drought. Not even due. He declared a drought and there was none. He called out King Ahab. He had faced off with the prophets of Baal, and fire had came down from heaven. But he was about to anoint Elisha to do even greater things in him. And when Elisha saw Elijah coming across the field, and Elijah put his cloak on Elisha, that was a call. There was something that was different about this, because Elijah had never done that before. And verse 20 says, Elisha then left his oxen and he ran after Elijah. I love that. When you get the call, don't sit on your call, right? <laughs> don't, don't sit on there and say, did God call me? Did God tell me to do this? No, when you get that call, man, just like Elisha, run to that call. Run to where God's taking you because it's going to be big, right? He, so Elisha left him and he went back and he, 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 he says, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. And he said, and then I will come with you. So Elijah said, go back. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. And he took his yoke of oxen. And he didn't just keep his yoke of oxen. He slaughtered them. I mean, that's running towards your call, right? <laughs> You're not keeping what you had. He, he slaughtered them right there. And he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. So I want, I want you to get what's happening right here. He gets the call. He takes off after Elisha. Elisha affirms him, right? And then he goes back, and he burns everything that he could return to. And then he has a party. <laughs> then he has a celebration, right? He's telling them, hey, this is, this is a great day. Can you imagine people around him looking at all the things that he had attained? And that's what we have a hang up over, right? We think of all the things that we've attained when God may be taking us to double what we had before, but we're not willing to let go of what God had given us before. And so we hold on to it right there. This happens all the time. It happens in the church all the time. Good people, good Christians never go to their destiny because they're not willing to burn the plow. They're not willing to let go of the things that got them there. But what got you there, right here, won't get you there. So then he goes on right here. And they ate 
And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. In other words, he set out for his calling right there and then. Now, that's a little scary. And I, I, I know Elisha knew it. And he responded to the call. But notice something about the call. When are we most likely to receive God's call? Well, here's the deal. Most likely, we're not going to receive God's call lying on the couch, bored out of our minds. Right? We're usually not going to receive the call playing video games or watching Netflix. It is usually while we are working that we receive the call. Just like him. Elisha was plowing. Gideon was threshing. So, so it's while we're working, that's why God says, just don't give up. Stay faithful. I'm going to give you your call. I'm going to give you that next level, that next step. Just stay faithful where you're at, right? If you look at Elisha, he was plowing. Gideon, he was threshing, right? Moses and David were both herding sheep. Amos was farming. Peter, James, and John were working as commercial fishermen. And Matthew was collecting taxes. And the preponderance of Scripture is that God calls a person who is working. He doesn't call a person that's idle. He calls a person who's working. He calls a person that's pursuing him. He calls a person that's saying, hey, you know what? No matter what I've went through in the past, I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to keep on trying. I'm not going to give up. Amen? See, people ask me all the time, what's the key to success? What's the key to attaining success? And I say, that's easy outside of we know it's God, but that's easy. I say, it's never giving up. <laughs> it's never giving up. Somewhere along the road, if you never give up and you keep trusting God, he's going to get you to where he wants to take you. It's the people that give up before it's time. It's the people lose faith before God shows them. You say, why does that happen so much in the church? Why does it happen so much with people? Because it gets discouraging after a while when you don't see the answer or the call and you've been faithful and you've been doing your best and you've been trying. I get it. It's very difficult. It's very challenging. But here's why God does that. If God gave it to you too soon, the big big destiny has for you, you wouldn't be able to handle it if you didn't stay faithful when you didn't have anything. If you don't learn how to be faithful in the blah times, <laughs> in the times where you're not hearing the praise, in the times where you don't see anything happening, that's where God's working behind the scenes. We've heard people say that many times, but it's that faithfulness, it's that trust. It's, it's, it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I will trust in you. I will lean not on my own understanding. In all my ways, all my ways, because you can't just give them a few of your ways because it's going to hurt, right? It's in all my ways, I'll acknowledge you, and you will direct my path. See, here's the thing. We're not giving all our ways to him. We hold on to the plows. We hold on to things that got us here. And we don't do that. And that's why we get discouraged, because we wonder why we haven't gotten what we got before. Because God's not wanting to give you what you got before. He's wanting to give you something new. He's wanting to give you something more than you could ask, think, or imagine. 
But we're in our box. We're in this place sometimes of comfortability. And we miss what God's saying. You see, Elisha was not looking for a new job. In fact, I doubt that Elisha had any thought that before sundown, he would slaughter his oxen and his plow, did he? He never thought that. That was probably nowhere on his radar screen when the day began. But God has an unmistakable way of issuing his call. And it will surprise you, right? Remember, never seek things that can only be added. Be faithful to God where you are, and he will add what you need in due time. Amen? See, while Elisha was plowing in complete anonymity, I mean, I want you to think about that. He, he, he wasn't getting the pat on the back. He, he, wasn't getting, getting, he wasn't doing the miracles and all these different types of things. While he was doing this in, in complete anonymity, Elijah, the greatest prophet in the Hebrew scriptures was being told to go and anoint him as his successor. So even though he wasn't hearing anything, God was speaking to Elijah. And he was getting him ready. Now guess what? What if Elisha wouldn't have stayed there? What if he, he, he would have believed that this is my lot in life, this is what I'm supposed to do? But God is speaking your name. I want to encourage you today, 300 miles away. <laughs> I want you to hear that again. You may not hear anything. You may feel like you're in anonymity right now. You may feel like, man, is God even listening to my prayers right now? He's speaking your name three miles away. He's speaking to somebody you've never met before. He's speaking to somebody that's going to be that, that, that person that's going to give you just what you need when you need it. He's speaking that. Go back the way you came. And anoint Elisha, the son of Shephat, the Bible says, from Abel, Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. So, so while, while Elisha's in anonymity, here God is speaking to Elijah, and he's telling him to go and anoint him as his next successor. I mean a huge thing right now. Here's the thing that, that, that God, God is right now speaking your name to the right people. Woo! I want you to catch what I'm saying right now. God is right now speaking your name to the right people. You don't even know them. You've never even met them. You've never even heard of them. And he's speaking your name to the right people because you've kept working, you've been faithful, and God wants to bless you for it. He's got big plans. So Elisha receives a call. And at that point, he has a choice to make, right? Now, for Elisha, farming is a wonderful life. Some of you have great jobs. Some of you have jobs you don't want to be in. You know, we all have different times in our life, different places. But please know that I'm not belittling farming at all when I say the choice was between farming and greater calling. His choice was keep plowing or answer the call and follow. And he could stay where he was or walk away and embrace his unknown future. That's a scary place to be in right there. Wow, to be in that, that point, it's kind of like when you start to plant this church. You know, you're walking away from the great job that you had. There, you get in that middle part right there, isn't it? 
And that's the scary. You know God's called you, but you have no idea what's happening ahead. And if you hold on to the plows, I got a good job. I got a good family. I've got all these types of things right here. It, it, you don't want to take that step in there. But who would have known, Pastor Bernard, that we'd be sitting here today in this beautiful building with all these people. If you wouldn't have done that, we wouldn't be here today. So he could stay where he was or walk away and embrace an unknown future with only the promise of a great adventure. Sometimes we have only the promise of a great adventure. We don't know what that adventure looks like. People ask me all the time, you know, when, when you found out about your son with autism and everything, what were the first thoughts that, come, that came to your mind? I thought, well, this is our lot in life. That's what, those are some of the thoughts. It was the enemy. My child will never do great things. That's the enemy. He'll never do, do anything in life. That's the enemy. This is, this is what we'll have to live with. What the doctors are saying, what different people are saying, this is always how it's gonna be. But I chose at that moment not to listen to the voice of the enemy, but I chose to listen to the voice of the Lord. Something shifts in the atmosphere when you make that decision right there. Because then God can go into action right there. And see, at that point right there, it was scary. I didn't know, what, me and my wife didn't know what was going to happen. But you know what? We learned something very powerful when you're in those moments, when you're in those places in the middle, when God's called you to something, or where, where maybe he's done something that, that it seems like it's a dead end, it's a, it's a bad thing that's happened to you, it's, it, it's something that, that you feel like, oh man, the, my life's gonna be like this, it's gonna be really tough the rest of my, our life. But little do I know, when we got that diagnosis that we become someone else's best hope. And now, what we decided to do during that time is not lay idle right there, right? We weren't just going to wait and see what would happen once God did this in our life or once God calls you. What we begin to do is we begin to be good to other people. We begin to serve other people. We begin to help other people. See, when you're going through a storm, and maybe you're going through a storm today, and you can't see this, you know God's called you to something, but you can't see what's ahead. You can't see where God's taking you to. Let me tell you, the best thing you can do when you're going through a storm is be good to someone else. Because what the enemy does is he wants you to stay in your storm. He wants to stay where it's safe. He wants you to stay where, where it's comfortable. And he wants you to stay right there. And he wants you to think about all the things that might happen if you take that step of faith. But when we start being good to someone else, what happened? God started being good to us. When we started taking that step, what happened? God began to use our son. When we, be, when we started taking the, he didn't just use our son. He began to use my other two children. When we started taking that step, God began to do things in our life that we never thought could ever happen. The influence, the impact. You say, Craig, why is it so important to let go of the past, to let go of those things, to burn the plows? Because it's the things, it's like a bridle holding you back. If you don't let it go, you can't move forward. And when I look back at all God's done, 111 champions clubs in 23 countries. Come on, somebody. 
God's blessed our families. He's did. Why? Because we didn't hold on to what the doctor said. We didn't hold on to what people said. We didn't hold on to what the, the data said and everything. We believe the report of the Lord. And when we start walking in that and we let go, the past is a past. I'm going to step into something greater in my future. Then something shifted for us. And it was a moment. See, John Eldridge in Wild at Heart writes, God has placed inside every man a desire to find an adventure to live. It was Elisha's adventure to live, and he chose the hard path instead of playing it safe. This is the difference between people fulfilling their destinies and people not. They'd rather play it safe. And you know, I don't blame you. I'm not going to put you down, and it doesn't mean that God's not going to bless you. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have a good life. The question is, are you wanting a good life, or are you wanting a God life? Something greater that you never thought you could ever do. Now, that's a choice for everybody. That's a choice for everybody, and you have to look at that. See, it was Elisha's adventure lived. He said, I'd rather look back at my life and say, I can't believe I did that than say, I wish I did that. There's a lot of people that get to the end of their life and they say, man, I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have stepped out in faith there. I wish I would have. You say, Craig, I'm 80 years old. What can I do in the, listen, if you're not dead, God wants to use you, amen? God has a destiny. If you're not dead, God has something big in store. He's got something powerful for you to do. Don't let your gifts and anointing in with you. There's a legacy that we're talking about right here. See, God requires decisive action. So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and, and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his attendant. Now, here's where many people, and listen, I've been on this fence before, okay? I'm not saying every time that God called me, so I just, whew, you know, I went for it right there. I've been on this fence. But here's where a lot of people are. They're on the fence. They've got one foot in their destiny and one foot where it's safe, Right? You know what I'm talking about. You may be there. And listen, I'm not putting you down. I've been there, right? One foot in their destiny, one foot where it's safe, right? And you can sit on the fence forever. In life, you will undoubtedly meet a lot of fence sitters. And they have one foot on one side and another foot on the other side. And they can't make up their minds, so they just stay on the fence and watch while someone else moves into their destiny. And then they wonder, why are they getting that and I'm not? Many times because you're still sitting on the fence, right? It's more comfortable sitting on the fence. But they sit on the fence for so long, they never do anything significant with their lives. And when they come to the end of it, all they have is regrets. Elisha was serving while waiting for anointing he did not yet possess. And I love this right here. But have you been serving aware that something is missing and that you're still incomplete? Hold on, help is on the way. <laughs> help is on the way. You may be sitting on the fence. Maybe it's time to bring that other leg over. 
Maybe that's what God's speaking to you today. Because it's not too late. Hold on, right? Elisha had a few seconds to make a life-changing decision. And so once he signed on to be Elijah's apprentice, he had to burn his bridges so that, and this is important, so that when things got tough, he wouldn't be tempted to go back to that life. See, I've seen some amazing people. They got off the fence, and then they got into faith land, <laughs> right? And it got tough. They didn't see it. They didn't stay in there long enough, and they went right back to the old land. And I've seen this happen many times with leaders and many times with people. You see, Elijah had to burn everything so he wouldn't have nothing to go back to. And sometimes in life, whether we've been through a divorce, whether we've been through financial pain, whether we went through the, sometimes you've got to burn it all and just allow God to do whatever he's going to do for you in the future. Because here's the deal. If you don't, you'll hang on to it. It's like an addict. You know, if an addict doesn't burn everything and step out from what he was around, the people he was around, the things he was around, and everything, it's such a pull and it's such a draw. But when he breaks loose of that, burns that old life, and says, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to take care of myself. You see them not only excel and get off the drugs, get off the challenges, but they begin to do things that nobody gave them a chance to do before. And it's powerful. You see, I loved what Elisha did. He, he, he didn't do it in secret either. Sometimes we, we, we get off the fence, but we don't tell anybody. <laughs> because if it doesn't go well, <laughs> come on somebody, if it doesn't go good, nobody will know. <laughs> It'll be all right. I could slip back over here, you know? Oh, you know, I don't want to tell people what God's called me to do. I don't want to tell people about the miracle. I don't want to tell them those things because, you know, whatever I'm believing for next, it might not happen so I can slip back right there. No, Elisha throws a party. <laughs> he says, hey, I want you to know what I did here today. I barbecued my oxen. I burned every plow. I got only one way to go. And he said it, and he let everybody know about, whew, that's powerful to me. It says I'm not going back. I'm moving ahead. I'm keeping moving forward. The, see, some of us are looking for plan B when all God gave us was plan A. Our plan B is our plan. It's not God's plan. He had plan A all along, right? I love that right there. So he cooked the meat. His old life is gone forever. A new day had come. There was an amazing preacher. Maybe you've heard of him back in the day named Billy Sunday. And uh, he was a famous baseball player. I mean, really famous baseball player at that time. A great profession. You could actually, even back in the day, you could do pretty well with money uh, back in the day, and, and, but he was a famous baseball player, but he turned evangelist. And as Billy himself uh, told the story, he was standing outside a saloon with some of his teammates on the Chicago White Stockings. Today, they're called the Chicago Cubs. 
where a gospel wagon from the mission came down the street. And gripped with conviction, he turned to his friend and said, boys, I've come to the end of the line. I'm through with the old life, and I'm heading in a new direction. And that marked the turning point of his life. And a few nights later, after hearing Harry Monroe preach at the mission, he gave his heart to Christ, Billy Sunday did. And for the rest of his life, including his amazing evangelistic career in which he preached in person to, listen to this, 100 million people. He never tired of referring to the day he made his decision to follow Christ. See, when God calls, you have to make a decision. See, God's speaking to some people right now. God's calling you. Maybe he's calling you to come to him today. You've got to make a decision. Maybe he's calling you to step out in faith. You've got to make a decision. Maybe God's calling you towards a new step in your destiny. You've got to make a decision. You see, you've got to make that decision right there because the burning of the plow takes on deep significance in light of Jesus' words in Luke 9.62 where he said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. It's not wrong to plow field, but if your plowing keeps you from Jesus, you better burn the plow. Elisha was saying, I'm following God's call, and no matter what happens, I'm not going back. The old life is over forever. A new, greater day has come for me. It may be hard at first, but the hard is what makes it good, y'all. That's a Texas talk right there. The hard is what makes it good, y'all. The heart is what makes it good. When, when Sam and I to start, decide to do champions, come, look, it was hard. No church wanted to help special needs kids. I stood in front of pastors. Pastor Joel put me in front of pastors for two years, and I would tell them what God had done at Lakewood and everything, and they would cry with me, and, 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 and they would be moved by our story, and not one did one thing. There were times in that two years I was like going, God, they're, they're not going to change. How is this ever going to shift? God just said, Craig, burn the plows. That's the past. He said, just stay faithful. Keep telling them. And for two years, I kept telling them until the first church in California decided to do a Champions Club. And from there on in, we have went nonstop in launching Champions Clubs around the world. Let me tell you something. If you'll step off the fence today, if you won't look back, if you'll burn those plows if you have a party and tell everybody you burnt the plows, right? Because there is no plan B. There's only plan A. I like that because plan A is a high grade right there. That can only come from Jesus, amen? Plan A. There's a movie I've watched many times called A League of Their Own. I, I know baseball isn't as big here. Cricket is bigger, but, but there's a movie in, in, in America. I don't know if you've seen it starring Tom Hanks and Gina Davis. Near the end of the film, the team coached by Tom Hanks is about to play in the girls' baseball World Series during World War II. And Gina Davis, the star catcher, has decided to go home because her husband has returned from the war. So Hanks confronts her by reminding her of how much she loves the game. She said, I don't love it. Not like you. Tom Hanks says, oh, yes, you do. It's in your blood. I can't do it, she says. It's too hard. And at that moment, Tom, Saint, Tom Hanks turns slightly, grabs her face, grimaces, 
and then said, you're right. It is hard. It's supposed to be hard. The hard is what makes it good. Let me ask you something. Did you ever learn anything from something that went easy? Did you ever go to another level by things that were just easy and given to you? Did you were you ever refined when everything was good? It's the hard that makes it good. It's the hard many times. And you say, you say, right now I'm going through some hard times. Keep going. Keep trying, right? It's supposed to be hard. The hard is what makes it good. That's not just true about baseball. That's the truth about the Christian life. But here's the good news. If you go for it, God will make the hard things become easier. You just have to do your best and let God do the rest. You do your part and watch God do his. You see, God may be specifically calling us into something different. I wonder as I look across this crowd, is God calling you to something different? Is there something that he's giving you a dream about? If there's something that God's done in your life? It doesn't necessarily mean leaving someplace. It just means going to another level where you're at. It could be God could do it any way that he wants to do it right there. But you felt the calling, but you're on the fence, or maybe you haven't even got on the fence. You're still over here, right? But I want to tell you something. There is a changing of the guard taking place in this world right now. I feel it. I sense it. After the pandemic and all those things that happened, there's a changing of the guard. And the enemy's fighting. He's bringing everything he can to stop the gospel, to stop people, to confuse people, to tell people what they're not instead of who they are. And he's doing everything he can. Let me tell you something. I've always found this to be true. When the enemy comes in so strong like that, the Bible says it, the word of God will come against it. Amen? Like a standard. Because he knows what, the enemy knows what's coming right there. You see, God is fast approaching those he has chosen to elevate. He's coming. Can you stay in the game? Right? God is passing the torch to a new generation and finding a new seat at the table for the older generation. Come on now. He's passing the torch to the new generation, but don't worry, older generation. He's still got a seat at the table, and it's good. See, God's not wanting one generation to go up and then another generation. No. What, here, here's what happens with transitions. Can I tell you why transitions go bad in churches? I'll tell you how they go bad, or anything for that matter. The younger generation is ready to take on the world, Right? So the older generation, they stand here and they see, they, they see that and they want to help them, but they don't want to give up what they have, right? Their role, their position, all those. So instead of building up that generation, bringing them up, they hold on to it. And instead, the younger, then the younger generation doesn't honor the older generation. And so even if you have one of them doing it, it still will break down transition. But when the older generation lets go, builds up that younger generation, and when the younger generation begins to honor the next generation that we're all going to do this together, then you have generational ministry that is powerful. It's the most powerful ministry you can have in the church. Because the young needs the old, and the old needs the young. And you begin to see that happen. I believe that today. 
I believe God is passing the torch. What God is about to do will not be found, though, in the past. Some of you are praying for old revivals, for old things that have happened before. God, give us back revival of what happened 20 years ago. That's not God. I know that's hard for you to take because you remember what God did in the past. No, God is a God that goes higher, better, bigger. God doesn't go, go and say, you know, I'm going to give you what you had in the past. No, he says this in his word. He says, you're what? Your latter days, right? So, so, so the days that are coming ahead will be greater than the days that are in the past. He says, your beginning was small, but your latter days will be very great. I'm speaking prophetically over you right now. And your former state was ordinary, but your future will be extraordinary. What God is about to do will not be found in your past. It will only be found in your future. And you need to receive that. When Elisha accepted God's invitation to a greater life, he left nothing for himself to go back to. What are you holding on to right now that's keeping you from moving into your future? What is it? Are you holding on to old plows? When God wants to give you a new life, do I have plows yet to burn? Absolutely. <laughs> right now I'm burning some plows in my own life because I don't want what God's, oh, it's great. I've been a part of some amazing things. I've seen millions of people come to Christ, but my God's bigger than that. <laughs> I'm not holding on to that. I got some plows I need to burn. Are there vices? Are there habits that you have right now? Behaviors? How about memories of where you've been hurt, of things, hurts, past hurts, unforgiveness that, that you're holding on to those plows that you need to let go of? Are there people that have hurt you, circumstances, immoralities, or unrepentant sins that, can, that you can continue to carry or we continue to carry with us? Are these circumstances of your old life that continue to preoccupy and consume our thoughts. See, that's the problem with old plows, Pastor. It tends to occupy our future thoughts. Old plows occupy our future thoughts. Old hurts occupy our future thoughts. That's why you've got to let them go. Unforgiveness, it will occupy your future thoughts. No matter how hard you try, if you don't let go of that unforgiveness, it will keep you from your destiny because it will occupy what God says about you, what God does, wants to do in that situation rather than what you're able to do, right? And so he, he says it right there. If there are, here's what I'd say today. Let's take them to the cross today. Let's take them to the cross. Let's take whatever it is, if it's habits, memories, people, circumstances, immoralities, or unrepentant behaviors, habits. I said, you're not hiding anything from God. God knows what it is. He knows mine. He knows yours. Hey, let's do something amazing today. Let's burn those plows so we can have all that God wants us to have in the future. All that God wants to do in our lives. You say, Craig, you know, I hear you, but... I just, I'm not sure I believe that. 
Well, maybe it's not for you today because I'm looking for some believers in this house today, amen? I'm looking for some people that believe that God can change any situation. That your past is your past and he can take you to that next step. You see, we can only burn the plows by completely cutting ties with our old life. The things that have pulled us down. And we need to walk away from any toxic, sinful behavior, circumstances, and opportunities for our old fleshly behavior to once again so it won't rear its ugly head. Just as you cannot pour new wine into old wineskins, you've got to let that go. You cannot fully embrace a new life in Christ while continuing to live your old lifestyle. There's some of you maybe in this room, they're living still in your old lifestyle, and God's saying, listen, I can't do everything I want to do unless you're able to move that. It will cost you something, but the reward is much greater than the payment. The reward is much greater than the payment. See why? Here's the power. Elisha did double the miracles of what Elijah did. I want you to think about that for a minute. He did double. How many need some double in your life, amen? Double for your trouble. Double for the things that you went through in your past. Double for those things. So that's why it was so important for him to let go of his past so God could do everything he wanted to do. Some of us are getting a quarter of what God wants to do when he wants to give us so much more. We're holding on some plows. See, I don't know if Elisha had second thoughts about going with Elijah or burning the plows or or asking for a double portion, but I bet he didn't when he was doing double the amount of miracles. <laughs> and you won't either. Or at least when you're taking your greater place in God and let your lesser life behind. If you start having second thoughts about a wide open journey with God, consider what's at stake. And, and, and I've seen this happen in my own life when I was able to get off the fence and, and burn the plows. What happens, what begins to happen when you do that is there's a confidence that begins to take place. Things that were hard before, you don't look at them the same way. You don't look at your mountains the same way. You don't look at the struggles. You said, man, I've already went through that. I can do this. See, what happens is greater authority and confidence in God more than you ever known begin to take place. Amen? Greater purpose as you approach everyday tasks. Greater joy knowing that you're in the sweet spot of God's blessing. Greater influence over the people around you. Greater impact in the world. Burning the plow is great, but the rewards you experience on the other side of obedience are so much greater. Discover what the greater life looks like. Burn the plows today. You see, that's exactly what Elisha did when he turned his plowing equipment into kindling and barbecued the oxen. It was his last supper, amen? He said goodbye to his old life, started throwing a party for his friends. They shared a meal and shared stories into the early morning hours, but he wasn't holding on to those stories. He had a new story to tell. But it was the bonfire that made it the most meaningful and memorable night of his life because it symbolized the old Elisha, not the new Elisha. It was the last day of his old life and the first day of his new life. Oh, pastor, I see some new lives happening here today. 
I see some new destinies happening today. I see some new things. It was the last day. Burning the plowing equipment was Elisha's way of burning the things of his past, his old way of life. Stop and think about the symbolism of what Elisha did right there. Elisha literally cooked his old way of life and ate it for dinner. <laughs> That's how I want to burn the plows. He cooked his old way of life and he ate it for dinner. He devoured it. He said, because the banqueting table I'm going to is going to be way better than that. But he had to do that right there, right? He had to, he had to take that step. Forgive me if this is taking the analogy too far, but after digesting it, he got it out of his system. He eliminated the possibility of going back to farming by eating his own oxen, burning his plowing equipment. It doesn't matter whether you're trying to lose weight, get into graduate school, write a book, start a business, or get out of debt. The first step is always the longest and the hardest. And you can't just take a step forward in the future. You also have to eliminate the possibility of moving backwards in the past. That's how you go after your goals. That's how you break addictions. That's how you reconcile relationships. It's kind of like a person that says, I'll forgive you, but I won't forget. No, you haven't forgiven them. Because you can't forgive and not forget. You gotta let go, you gotta burn the plows. You leave the past in the plows by burning the plows. Because Elijah had the courage, Elisha had the courage to let go of the past and jump into his future. Elisha did twice as many miracles as his predecessor. And here's what Jesus says about you today from John 14, 12. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater than these because I am going to the Father. Would you bow your heads with me today? Father, I just thank you for this amazing opportunity. I believe, God, something is changing today. I, I don't know what it is. I sense and feel right now in this place, God, that there's a lot of thought process going on. There are things that maybe we've hold, held on to. There are things that maybe... God, we've let go of a lot of plows, but we haven't let go of the one plow that's held us back. But God, we can't move towards our future unless we let go of the past. Maybe, God, there's unforgiveness. Maybe there's memories. Maybe somebody's hurt us. Maybe it's just the comfortableness of life. Things are good. Why do I need to leave this? And they don't realize the great destiny of what you have ahead of them, how you want to use them, how you not only want them to be a blessed, but you want them to be blessed to be a blessing. God, I believe there are unrealized destinies in this place today. That God, if they'll do this act of obedience, if they'll follow your call, if they'll get off the fence, if they'll let go of the past and burn those plows, God, you're going to help them step in the future. Mm. 
I sense this in this room. Some of you have some dreams. Some of you have had some goals. And you've, some of you have forgotten the dreams and goals that you had because they haven't happened for so long. But you haven't stopped working. God's saying, I haven't forgotten your dreams. I haven't forgotten your goals. I haven't forgotten your marriage being reconciled. I haven't forgotten your child coming home. I haven't forgotten your finances turning around. I haven't forgotten those things. I still want to do it. But I need you to burn a couple plows today. I need you to get off the fence. I need you to step out and walk into your destiny. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.